Monday, January 9th, and this is Season 7, Episode 18 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And Jeff. Hello. Well, uh, I want to start the conversation today because some news came out uh, today um, having to do with a former Spurs player. So um, uh, Gareth Bale hasn't formally announced his retirement from both international and club football. Um, so kind of a, a big move for him. Um, but Joe asks us, uh, our own Joe asks us a question. Is Bale the best British player this century? Oof. That's a tough one. Um, I think, I mean, you could definitely make the case for it. Um, I mean, how many champions, like how many champions leagues did he end up winning at, uh, Real Madrid for them had to be at least three, right? Yeah, I think three. And then, I mean, he was. Then he, he got a, their doghouse afterwards. Yeah. Which, like, I never understood, like, a guy that's all done a, done that for you. I mean, it, it tells you something about the expectations of their club, for sure. Yeah, totally. And I think, I, I mean, he was just, I, I think, yeah, you could probably say he is. Um, I In his prime, I think he was probably the most electric player to watch like electric British player, the way he could just take over a game was, I mean, and throughout his time, even at Spurs, we saw him playing, like he played multiple positions. Like he started as a left back and then got moved up as to like a winger. And then towards the end, it was, he was basically just the main man up top some games. So his, his versatility and his, like his power and his, his dominance throughout all these different areas on the pitch just was, uh, that's just some level of versatility in him. And he was just incredible to watch. Yeah, no, he's pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't really come up with anybody who I would pick that, that was better, at least in my, uh, lifetime or at least my following of Spurs time frame. Uh, do you have anybody else, Jeff? I mean, who else in the team picture would be what Rooney or um, Beckham or I don't know who else you would stack up there. I mean, a lot of people might argue Rooney, but since we're Spurs, it's it's Bale. Yeah. Well, and I I think the thing I love the most about Bale is, I mean, we all like to think um, that players play for our club and that's the most important thing and that club comes first to the players. But again, this is just a business. So it's players leave, players move on. Um, Sometimes they outgrow the club they're at. And at the time, Bale basically did. He outgrew us. Um, And we've seen that happen throughout my life. I've seen that happen with many, many guys that came through Spurs and became superstars. But then that means they move on to bigger clubs and want to go make more money and win trophies and all that. And that's part of the game. And I think the thing that I love the most about Bale is when that happens, there's two, there's different routes that you can take. Like the Luka Modric route was, I mean, for lack of a better term, like he ended like a bitch. He pitched out and he was vocal about wanting to leave and refusing to train and putting up all the, like he just, he did it in a really poor way. Whereas Bale was, Bale was outgrowing our club and still was putting in shift after shift, giving it everything he had and um, left with his head held high. And I think that to me was something that was really special that he will always 
there will never be a bad taste in the mouth or anything about him parting ways with us because it was, he did it with, with honor. And, um, that's something that I was proud of and I'll always be proud to call him a Spurs player. So we're very fortunate that we got to spend the time we did with him. Well, and I'm proud, I'm proud that he came back too. Oh yeah. I mean, that was I, even the coolest part. Yeah. Yeah. I we mean, got- I wish I'd gone better, but, uh, uh, Jeff, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, when he came back on loan, that game against Leicester, he single-handedly dragged us into the conference league, you know, and, yeah. you know, where we did, oh, yeah, that's right. But he got us there. He got us to the Europa Conference, so. <laughs> Whether we wanted to be there or not is another story, but but no, it was, I think it was always a, a question, like, I don't think Mourinho was ever going to play him in, uh, um, against the a, t- a top team in the league at that point on the, the, the d- downside of his career. But, um, but uh, I would have liked to see more minutes with him against the bottom of the table, I think, and, and, and let him tear them apart a little bit more. Uh, Cause I still think he was capable of it, but it was nice to have him back. Um, I have to agree with you guys. I think he, he's it. Like, um, and, uh, and, I hope he, there's many of golf courses that he'll enjoy uh, um, in his retirement and uh, maybe open some pubs, uh, brew some more beer, uh, take advantage of all the marketing that's going to come his, continue to come his way. Well, like I said, uh, that game, uh, I watched our game against Barcelona in the, the last game of that group stage in the Champions League. I watched that with some of my cousins in uh, Cardiff. So it was like it was at Bale's pub. It was just called 11s and it was the house beer was called the Bale ale. And it was like the one on tap. So the whole game we were just drinking Bale ales at Gareth's pub. So I wouldn't mind if he opened up a pub in London, maybe one in Chicago would be nice. <laughs> like, yeah. No, it'd be fun. He'll do. He's got plenty of time and money and he'll be able to keep himself busy. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, let's roll the conversation along. So crystal palace, um, um, Midweek Wednesday match. We we're coming off the the back of some poor performances after the uh, um, I was going to call it the international break, but the World Cup break is what I mean. Um, coming back off of that, um, I think there was a lot of negativity, and it definitely came out in our last week's podcast. Um, and this was one that like we really needed to see a performance. So we go into the first half, um, and I think we came out of the gates pretty strong for like maybe the first like 15, 18 minutes, maybe. Like it, it, there, there really was uh, some effort there. It looked like uh, some of the effort that we normally save for the second half was uh, was there at the beginning of the game, but then it kind of fizzled, and then we kind of lost control of the game, and we end up at the at halftime with the. Uh, scoreless uh, uh, zero zero draw, um, which I, I I think wasn't helping the negativity at all. But then that the uh, second half kind of uh, happened. So so let's uh, let's let's take it from there. Go ahead, Lucas. Well, I think for me the first thing that I was at least just happy to see, and I know this sounds so this sounds so depressing when I say it, just because of how little I'm asking from our players. I'm not asking for us to go. After that, after that Brentford game where we slept, walked through the first seventy minutes, and then we back, we followed that up with an absolutely abysmal performance against Villa for ninety minutes of just lazy debauchery. And so then I, I was just, 
all I wanted to see at the beginning was just show me intent. Show me that we at least want to go forward and try and score goals. I'm not even asking for product and actual execution at the end of the these runs and stuff. I'm just just at least show me that you want to go score. And that was what we saw in that first 15 minutes. It wasn't the prettiest. We didn't have the final. Sometimes we lacked the final ball or the final uh, finishing ability at the end. But it was just nice to see in that first 15 minutes that we at least looked up for it. And like I said, it's sad that that has to be the bare minimum of what I'm asking from our players. But after that game against Brentford and Villa, it was it was just nice to see us at least look like we gave a shit. And so for that first 15 minutes, we kind of came out and we took the game to them. And I think that once after that first opening 15, 20 minutes, it kind of we kind of settled in the game, mellowed out and Palace was kind of able to get their get their foothold in the game and kind of drag it out for the second part of that first half but it was at least nice to see us come out with some kind of intent because we play so we are such a good team and we have the ability to annihilate teams once we get up and get that first goal but I think we'll see it was nice to see us not go down in the first half again like the amount of times in a row we had seen us concede first that was the first time in I think 10 or 11 games in all competitions that we didn't concede a goal first so it was just nice to see, yeah, it, it wasn't perfect throughout that first half, but it was nice to see us come out with some kind of energy and some kind of passion and look like we cared. Yeah, no, definitely. Jeff? Yeah, I mean, um, even after it slowed down and Palace started uh, attacking us, we looked competent and organized at the back for a change. Um, and Hugo didn't look like he was going to pull, you know, one of his uh, epic mistakes. And that was all nice to see. So even though we went in tied at the half, um, it was still good. We hadn't conceded. We didn't look like we were in a super amount of danger. It was just, you know, were we going to be able to score? And as it turned out, yes, we were. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that, and that was the the thing. Like, I think coming out of that halftime, I could have seen this match going either way. Um but it, it certainly went one way, and pretty quickly. The 48th minute, we had the 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 first Harry Kane goal. So let's talk a little bit about that. Do you guys remember it? I mean, it was <laughs> yeah, so one right where Hill fed Perisic and Perisic to uh, to Harry, um, and that's where you know that kind of kickstarted Hill for the rest of the game. Um, that gave him such a shot of confidence. He it was the Harry and uh, Brian show for the rest of the second half. Yeah, yeah, and my, I think Brian was good from the, the the start, relatively speaking. And um, I think some of the criticisms of of uh, Hill are that he's too slight; he's not going to have be able to handle the physicality of the uh, the league. But I think he, he over the last couple of matches, he's been showing us that uh, yeah, maybe he can uh, handle it a little bit. Yeah, there's times he's going to go down a little bit easier under a larger player, but. Um, but if he can still work out the creativity around it, I mean, Erickson was never a force to be reckoned with in the the league. Um, uh, it, you know, and he was able to to be a creative uh, contributor to, uh, to to the attack. So I mean, I it, I think there we might have something there. <laughs> which now that he's getting a chance, Lucas. Well, I think the the last sentence you just said is basically what I was going to talk about. Just. We are very quick to judge guys and say, ah, you know, he might not have the physicality or stuff, but 
these are really young kids. So you need to have like, like we shouldn't be making a judgment until we've seen somebody get at least like, like a 30 to 30 to 40 games in them. Like we, we can't be, we can't be making up our, just our mind on Hill and writing him off because he hasn't looked great when he's getting an odd appearance every like once a month, getting 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. It's, it's we got to actually see him play, and we've seen that now. For yeah, he didn't look like a world beater against uh, Portsmouth, and we'll come on to that. But nobody did. So I mean, we'll we'll get to see a better idea of what we have as a player there when we actually see him getting consistent minutes. And I think that there's definitely potential in there. And I think that he showed that against Palace that he was able to look comfortable and he had some great link up play with Harry. And in terms of Harry, you were talking about that goal. Harry had those first two that were, I I said this last week on the pod, in some of these games now, we have a lot of guys, we have a lot of guys injured, and we have a lot of, we're doing a lot of different rotation and giving different looks and having different starting 11s out there, but we need our superstars to be superstars. And when Harry's able to take over a game like that right out the gates in that second half, that's all we needed to just get that game to kind of settle in and make that just a domination for the second half as we got that first goal, followed it right up with another punch. And by that point, after that second goal, it was over. And then it was just a matter of how many were we going to score. And that was a great, great thing to see from Harry is just his ability to take over a game and be a superstar. And we're going to need to see a lot more of that if we're going to, I mean, he's, he's more than capable of doing that week in and week out. He's been on, if it wasn't for Holland at Man City, I think we would, his pace is on, he's on pace for 30 goals again. So it's like, what we're seeing from him is great, and we're going to need to con- see him continue to do that for us to be able to take take over games, especially when Son, who eventually got his goal that game, but Son's been really, really quiet this year. So, like I said, we're just going to need to see continuing going forward, Harry and Son being able to take over games. Well, and and it's good to see that they have enough confidence to uh, to play off of Brian Hill now, because. Um, uh, when we've seen players, young players like Hill come in in the past, even if they're highly touted, even if you can see, see that they have skills, you'll see that like, oh, it's still Harry and Son playing off of each other, and then defenders defenders can see it coming. Those are the guys that you got to stop, um, and then uh, nobody ever gives the ball to Brian Hill, who's not really getting as much attention as the uh, as the from the defenders. So. I, I think it's good that there's a little bit of confidence growing and enough to uh, actually utilize Hill in these games. And, and we, we, like, I think he was involved with three of the four goals. Yeah. And maybe not the assist, but he was, uh, yeah, like he certainly set up the play for each of them. Go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say the other thing about Brian is, and we saw this in his past appearances, um, is that he's always full of energy. Right. He always comes for the ball, uh, makes himself available. Uh, he's you know, getting better and better at passing in the box. Um, and that's something we need because, you know, Sun usually just stands around out there. If he's not bringing the ball up himself, um, you know, he's standing around somewhere near the box. Um, yeah, and we always complain about the lack of energy um, in the box, in and around the box. And that, you know, that's Brian's whole game. He's like here, there, and everywhere. Like the Energizer Buzz Bunny. Um, and we need that to break down these teams that just, you know, park the bus against us. So, well, <laughs> we, we have a viable option in him, I think, now 
when Kulishevsky's not available. Um, and I think probably, you know, two weeks ago, you know, Brian Hill was certainly going out on loan um, in the winter window, and uh, and we didn't have any other creative player that we trusted to uh, uh, when Kulishevsky's hurt and not uh, available to play. Um, and uh, now I think we might have uh, a guy that not not the same type of player, but like uh, but but can do a job in that that position if we need him to. Um, I could still see us buying some additional attackers given all of our injury problems right now. Um, and uh, being unsure of that, even though I don't think that's where I'd like to see us focus. Cause I think Kulishevsky will be back soon. I think Richarlson won't be out that much longer. Um, I, I don't know if we need attacking players as much. Um, but, uh, I certainly would like to see Sun get a little bit more of a rest, uh, at times and play Richarlson there. And heaven forbid Harry Kane get a rest every once in a while and play with Charleston there. Um, so, um, but Brian Hill being able to back up uh, Kulishevsky a bit is not a bad thing. Um, and even if we brought in one more player to rotate in the, the, that attacking band, I think we should do the wing back. And we'll talk a little bit more about the, what players to bring in. But um, yeah, so we kind of talked about the two Harry Kane goals. How, how about Matt Doherty? Um, so obviously, um, I don't think he was fit at the beginning of the season, which is why we didn't see much of him, but then it looked like Emerson Royal was being favored. I think that may have been a little bit of smoke and mirrors for, with Doherty not being a hundred percent fit. Um, but even when he would come in and, you know, get the Conti hug coming off of the, the, the pitch in a match, he still wasn't getting starts. Um, and now... Now all of a sudden we see uh, Doherty seems to be the first choice, and um, and I I think it he's he's performing pretty well, and 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 we saw it with like uh, with the goal here. Yeah, I think it, it's been interesting because he's he was always Conti's first choice, and then it was it wasn't until he got that injury against Villa last year that that kind of forced him that forced Roy out to the front of the line. And so it's nice to see now that it's kind of like, finally it's his fitness is up to, up to par. And it's like, we can finally see him continuing to be back in his rightful place as Conti's first choice. It's just, I was worried because without Kulichewski, Kulichewski's done. He and Doherty seem to play or Doherty seems to play like light years ahead of what his usual gameplay is when he's out there with Kulichewski, I know they have, they seem to have like a really good partnership going on that wing. So without Kulichewski, we've seen kind of the last couple games, we've seen Doherty not look as threatening going forward. So it was nice to see us get that. I think he does a great job with Perisic doing that. When one guy makes the run, the other wing is meeting at the back post, waiting for that ball to come in. And I think we see Doherty does that very, very well. And Perisic trusts him to be at the back post. So I think with, I was pleased to see a game where Doherty was able to step up and look very efficient without having Kulichevsky as, because a lot of the times I don't mean to slag off Doherty, but a lot of times Kulichevsky's doing his job for him sometimes with the making runs into the box with the ball, taking on defenders to the end line. That's something you would like to see your wingback be doing, but Kulichevsky is just a thousand times better at doing it than Doherty is. So Doherty sometimes gets away with having 
Kulichevsky do his job for him. So it was nice to see a game without Kulichevsky where Doherty was able to still look efficient and like an efficient wingback and I think was rewarded by that goal. It was a nice, nice bit of play from him. And who was it? Was it Hill that found him in the box? I believe it was, yeah. yeah. So it was a good run and it was a good play by both of those guys. So, yeah, it was nice to see him finally get on the score sheet again. Yeah. I think the other thing um, Kante was waiting for was, you know, the whole fitness thing. A big part of it was that Doherty, you know, would be able to defend well again. Um, and honestly, like the last couple games, um, he's done pretty well. I mean, he's come up with a couple good interceptions or tackles, you know, where you notice him on defense more um, instead of just being, you know, an attacking player only, um, as opposed to, um, you know, his his alternate at the position who's very definitely defense only. Um, so, yeah, um, I just hope uh, he can keep it up all year. You know, he's on the wrong side of 30, and we saw him get hurt last year. So I don't know if you can count on a full season of Matt Doherty or, you know, going forward into future seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, he's he's a 30-year-old player. He's had uh, he's had some injuries for us. Um, I... I think if if Matt Doherty is your uh, backup uh, right wing back, I think that's that's perfectly okay. Like I think he he could be our um, understudy to a stud right wing back um, for this season and maybe next season. Um, I think we could probably get one more out of him, um, but uh, we need that guy who can be the uh, um, the stud is the is is the problem. Like. Um, but if he's the understudy, just like at this point, I'm okay with Ben Davis as a, a left center back. But I don't think he, um, I, I would prefer him not to be the starter. But like when we have to rotate him in, we know he can do a job. But again, another player that's a bit uh, aging and uh, probably uh, has a limited amount of limited shelf life left, um, which Hopefully, when we get to the transfer conversation, we'll see some of these uh, problems get fixed this window, and definitely the summer window, if not this one. But um, let's talk a little bit about Sun, though. Um, so, you know, Sun has really not been playing well. We've it's probably been one of the longer um, cold spells for him that we've seen. Um, I. Um, I did see something online that, that that people were talking about that um, that you know the, he, he went on just as cold of a spell this year. He's about has about the same amount of goals as he had um, last season around this time, and then really took off in the second half. But I think it's the the problem is one of those came with the one hat trick, and then uh, um, then we've just seen a lot of cold sun for a while. Uh, but he was able to work out the 72nd-minute uh, goal. Do we think this kind of takes the uh, monkey off his back, or um, or or has it not uh, accomplished that, Jeff? Well, not based on the next game that we'll talk about. But I think the the big problem with Sun this year is that, you know, he, he yeah, he's a streaky player, right? And when he's on, there's nobody you'd rather have. But when he's off... Uh, at least in the past, there were things he could still contribute. You know, he could set Harry up. He could, you know, run at defenders, 
Um, but he's not doing any of those other things. You know, for most of this season, he's just been a complete black hole. Um, he just turns the ball over like crazy. De- defenses have learned that if they body him all the time, he'll you know cough the ball up. Um, and he has not made adjustments to the way the league is defending him now. Um, and you know maybe he will in the second half. Now you know he's got a goal scoring streak in him. Um, hopefully he finds it you know, sooner rather than later. Go ahead, yeah. Lucas. With, with Sun, too, like you had mentioned, the streakiness. Yeah, I, I think the goal that he got there, that fourth goal for us against Palace, like, I think it was it was very important for him. You saw emotionally how he, like, ripped the mask off and was so excited. So it's like, I think for him it was important, and I think it is going to be very helpful Um going forward and I don't think we can read too much into the fact that he didn't look great against Portsmouth the following weekend because not a single and we'll go on to that second game but like nobody looked good against Portsmouth I mean we all everyone slept walk through that one again Portsmouth had just 11 guys behind the ball and we just kind of fucked around and I think we had one shot on target the entire game but it's like so I don't think that it's too worrying that he didn't look great against Portsmouth because I think that goal is going to be big for him um, confidence-wise. And he was even able to get, like, against Portsmouth, he had a couple of shots from outside the box that looked much more like the stuff we're used to seeing from Sun. And so I think that I think that the confidence is there, and I think once we get a little bit more, I want to say stable in the midfield so we can – offer him some kind of actual production going forward. Cause I mean, Kane and son need like, they need somebody to be able to actually facilitate them with the ball. They can't be just doing it. We can't be asking them to be lights out up top with no one actually delivering them effective balls in. So I think with son, I think we'll get a, a little bit better. Of, we'll get a little bit better idea after Sunday, obviously against Arsenal, but um, I think we'll see him actually kind of build some momentum with this goal. I think it was really important for him. And I think that was the first time that he scored with – I think I think that's the first time he scored this year with Perisic being on the field. So, I mean, he and Perisic were on the pitch at the same time. I think that's the first time that's happened. So, that's good to see as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I think, he, I, I think you're right. He did score the other ones with uh, Sassignan. Uh, I'm not sure about the Champions League one, um, but um, but I think in the league that might be accurate. But I, I can, I'm trying to remember the his one Champions League goal that he had. But anyway, I think this is probably a good place to go to MVP. Um, so let's start with Jeff for MVP. Uh, I got to go with Harry Kane. He was super clinical and um, yeah, put the game out of reach with his second goal. So he was good throughout. Yeah, he really carried us here. Uh, Lucas, who do you have? Nah, yeah, same here. I mean, his ability to take over the game was exactly what we needed. And like I said, that's a superstar being a superstar. Harry got got my vote. Um, I'm actually going to differ the, from you guys. I'm going to give it to Brian Hill. I think like he, he, he really um, – like I don't think that Harry Kane accomplishes what he did without Brian Hill in this game. Um. Um, maybe if there was another player that uh, accomplishing equal things, but we just haven't seen that player in a lot of recent games, unless there's unless Kuliszewski's out there. So um, 
I think I have to give it to Brian Hill. Like be involvement with like uh, setting up the plays that got us into three of these goals. I uh, got the Conti hug going off the pitch. Uh, I I really think uh, he's my MVP. Uh, but I do want to give a shout out to um, um, Sar. I do think he looked good here as well. Um, and it's nice to see these young players are kind of stepping in to uh, um, to the minutes that they have and and really taking advantage uh, of it. Because uh, let's face it, Conte, it's going to be limited the amount of time that you see the pitch. So. So these guys are running with it and really showing what they can do, which I think is, uh, and Sar may have jumped above uh, Skip in the pecking order at this point. Um, and we might talk about Skip a little bit more as we go into LVP. I'm not sure if he, if he's a candidate. Uh, but uh, let's start with Jeff for L- LVP. Are you queuing me up there? Um, no, I was because with the midfielders, I mean, yeah, Skip, he, he definitely started out slow and was getting bossed all over the field. But, you know, this is his first start in how long? Um, and I thought, you know, in the second half, he really grew into it. And, yeah, Sarah was great when he came out there. So it was really nice to see. You know, I think that should put the talk of trying to get another midfielder. Um, not, well, we still need a creative midfielder, but I don't think anybody's like, oh, God, we have to get another midfielder out there. Uh, yeah, we seem pretty well set. But I am going to give LVP to his midfield partner, Hoybear. I Yeah, Hoybear's had a, a pretty good season, but this game, I and, you know, maybe he was just tired, but he just didn't seem to be involved at all in this game. And, um, yeah, the, actually the team seemed better when Sar came on for him. Yeah, good, good shout there, um, Lucas. Yeah, I don't really want to have. I don't want to say I have an LVP. It's hard to say you have an LVP and a four-nil win, and I don't think anyone really looked poor. But I will kind of, I will give a nod there to Jeff. I think he was right. Hoybear was kind of invisible for a lot of that game. So if I had to pick somebody, I would probably give it to Hoybear as well. But again, I don't want to be too harsh because I don't think anyone looked overtly like horrible out there. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I, and like I think I have to judge by the first half, um, since the second half was so good. Um, in the, the we did have the poor spells in that first half, uh, but in the defense held it together. The um, obviously uh, um, the goalkeeper kept to get together in this one. So yeah, it's a, I think one of the midfielders. Uh, uh, Skipper Hoybier, I think, are the, the the two that I would go with, but it's tough to pick one or the other. Um, let's roll the conversation along into Portsmouth now. Um, just to be uh, full disclosure, I was on vacation in Madison, so I watched this one on my phone, lying on my bed. They they their pub uh, doesn't open at six thirty in the morning. They everybody was super nice about um, communicating that to me and. Uh, that, that they're trying to find a place that will open for them at the for the early matches, but uh, uh, there wasn't a place I could go, so I kind of uh, took this game in on my cell phone, on my bed, on ESPN Plus, and uh, so I drifted in and out of a lot for this one because it was an easy match to drift in and out of. Um, so full disclosure there. What are you guys' thoughts on uh, this match? Because you probably caught more of it than I did. Jeff, we'll start with you. Um, I, for a game, 
where we had 71% possession and 18 shots, um, but only three on goal and only beat a team two levels below us by one goal. I thought it was pretty much a big disappointment. Um, I think everybody expected more um, coming off of that, uh, the big win. Um, against Palace. Um, and it was the same kind of thing, you know, it, we were never defensively, we were never threatened, right? You go ahead to make a couple saves, but not, you know, that was more in the second half and not many, the defense looked fine, but it was another thing where there was just not a lot of energy. Um, Siren skip were fine in the midfield. Um, and I mean, the three shots that we actually had on goal, luckily one of them went to Harry Kane, you know, world-class, and he pretty much created that chance all by himself. But the other two, good God, um, Yo Royale, once again proving why he should not be um, our right wing back um, on an easy, you know, fairly easy angle he should have made. And then, um, you know, Skip blazing it over from, you know, like three feet away from the goal. Um, but other than that, you know, that that's that's three shots, 15. I mean, a bunch of them were like Sun and other people where it's like, you know, what the hell? We've seen this so many times this year where we just can't be clinical at all near the goal. Um, and it's so frustrating and it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, this would be the opportunity, especially with like, uh, I guess, our best healthy attack right now out there. <laughs> this should have been the opportunity to just take shot after shot and uh, and and maybe score a ton of them and get everybody's confidence going. But uh, it really took this pathetic one nil. Uh, Lucas. Yeah, you had mentioned Anthony that you had been watching it. And you were on your bed and <laughs> you were on your bed and you were kind of drifting in and out. I watched it at the pub down at the Atlantic and I uh, I was standing up. And I still was drifting in and out. Like, I was falling asleep standing there watching it for 90 minutes because that was the most brutal, boring nonsense of a game I've seen in a long time. I mean, we had – because, again, Jeff, my stats that I have here are a little different. I have us only registered as one shot on goal because the skip one and the one that Royale put off the bar. Technically, oh, you're right. You're they don't right. Count as goal, so because skip just skied his. And, I mean, luckily, Royale, I felt bad because Royale – I think the way, because uh, you the commentator on on the game was funny when when it fell to Royale and he put that header in. The guy said something like, "He goes, oh, and it was unfortunate that it fell to somebody without the highest of attacking prowess or something." It's something like what he said, which was just a nice way to say, "Well, unfortunately, it fucking fell to Royale." Like everyone, if it was anyone else there, like we probably would have had that buried. But it was a great ball in. I forgot who put that in. I think it was uh, wasn't it Perisic. No, I think it was Sess, because Perisic didn't play. But somebody, oh, you're right. you're right. Yeah, somebody put that in. Whoever put it in was a great ball to the back post. But, yeah, that, that game was just brutal. Um, I thought Skip Skip had a bunch of heavy, heavy touches and was giving the ball away left and right. Um, I thought Saar looked good and encouraging. Um, once again, just Harry, one moment of brilliance from Harry was all we needed. Um, and, and the reason that those, like the, yeah, you can say, look, Portsmouth didn't have anything that really resembled an attacking threat. I think they had one where some guy tried like a bicycle and like right outside the six yard box, but was marked the whole way. And it was never anything that was going to even bother Hugo or uh, excuse me, Frazier. But it was like, you just, those, those types of games are worrying when you don't put teams like that away because 
to them, they believe. And to them, this is a huge day out. FA Cup, away at Spurs. Like, big game for them. So to us, we're just like, oh, whatever. It's Portsmouth. But again, this is a team that this could have been really big for them. This is a huge day out for them. So just because they're not actually threatening for the majority of the game, all it takes is because they won a corner or two at, towards the very end. Like, I think it was late in the 80th, 80-something minute. Like, they won a corner. It's like, all that takes. We've seen our ability to defend corners. It's not the best. So, yeah, we didn't really feel threatened at any point during the game. But all it takes is one opportunity off a set piece, and we're now staring down the barrel of a replay. And that's the last thing we need is a, another game added into this mix of mayhem with this crazy schedules that we had coming up. So it was it was worrisome in the fact that we weren't able to put this team away. I mean, one shot on goal against a League One side at home, that's brutal. I mean, you got to be better than that. And I think that watching that game back, it, it just seemed like we just seemed very okay with the fact that when we got that goal, it was like, whatever. Kind of mailed – we literally just mailed in that second half after Harry scored. And I, I don't think we saw any real runs or attacking threats. It kind of just seemed like we were okay with it, and we were going to just run out the clock. Yeah, I mean, this was a rotated squad, but these guys have had the chance to to play together now, and the attack was uh, was strong. Um, and I, uh, do you guys, uh, did you have any concerns with any of the players that rotated in? I mean, we still kept them off the board. Um, the defense held up, uh, d- despite that they didn't have much. Jeff, I don't know if it was so much a concern with the guys who rotated in the concern was and even the announcers were saying it was there was no plan at all i mean it was just you know recycle the ball pass the ball around recycle the ball pass the ball around there was like no real attack in the box there was no like try to pick somebody out and score after harry scored it was just <clears throat> yeah let's hold possession and on on the one hand that's good because then we don't have to put our fragile defense under any threat but on the other end you, you still have to have a plan what to do with the ball when you have it in the opposition's end so much and um you know it just didn't look like we did well and we're kind of a counter-attack team and uh we, we were just handed a shit ton of possession um which we haven't been very well versed at this season, so I can understand why we could also struggle with so much of the ball. Uh, Lucas? Well, what was kind of interesting, because, again, I, it is frustrating, because I, I think if this was just a one-off game, we would all be a lot less frustrated by that performance. Like, look, this isn't a game, this isn't a game we're going to be talking about 30 years from now, like, uh, that time we beat Portsmouth 1-0, like, what a, what a great electrifying game that was. Like, we probably all forgot that game the second we walked out of the pub. Like, just get it out of our system. Job done, into the next round. But I, I think the reason that it's so frustrating is because we've seen a lot of that as of late this season where, I mean, without Kulachevsky and Ventancourt, we've seen very little creative ideas from anyone out there. So it, it seems, other than Hill against Palace, and a few minutes of brilliance from a couple guys in that Brentford game, it's, it seems like we really, it's been a pattern of us not having any ideas of what to do with the ball. So I think that's why this one was a little frustrating. But the reason I'm not overly worried is because it's also really kind of strange when you go up and you get that one nil lead against a team that wants to park the bus. Usually once that happens, 
now the other team's job is to try and come at you and they're going to try and throw numbers forward. They're going to try and press. They're going to try and do anything they can because they have no other option. They're now losing. They can't sit behind the ball. But with Portsmouth, they just still did. So it looked like we were so confused by the fact that we had gone 1-0 up and now we're expecting them to try and take the game to us. And they didn't. So we were just like, okay, I guess we'll just keep recycling it around until you guys come out and get the ball or, or what? Like it was very, it was a really weird one. It didn't seem like, it, it seemed like Portsmouth was really okay with just a one nil loss. They were like, whatever, as long as it's not five nil, like it's more. It, it was the, the classic Ted Lasso strategy, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah like, was, uh, like uh, no, we're going to keep parking the bus uh, despite yeah. being one nil like down. down. And they were like, okay, screw it. Like as long as we don't give up four goals, like we'll be cool. So, so that was what I think that's what kind of confused some of our guys because there was a time where I think like it was literally just Sanchez and Tanganga just passing it back and forth to each other, recycling the ball around for like three minutes before somebody even came out to, to try and confront them. So that, that was well, a really. They had oh, just fired oh. their manager, too, yeah. I think. Yeah. So this was, you know, the new guy's first game. So they didn't have any kind of plan and they were still figuring out what they were. So, I mean, they were right there for the taking. We should have shredded them. And we yeah. didn't, and that's what's so frustrating. Well, I, yeah. So for me, the biggest frustration from this game was not so much within the 90-minute frame itself, but actually once the lineup came out, I was really, really bummed to not see Spence start. And I wonder if, I wonder if part of that is a political-type game with Conti where because to me that's the only thing I can think of is that Conti doesn't want to put him out there because – if he had gone out there and maybe he tears it up and looks amazing or something, maybe that means that, I don't know, that Levy's got now ammo to not go out and spend and buy a new right back or whatever. So I, I don't know a right wing back, but like, I don't know what the, to me, that's the only thing I can think of that makes sense. Cause there's no, we've already come out and said that Royale is someone that we're going to try and move on this window. So, it's clear that Royale isn't part of Conti's future as a wingback. So what benefit does it have to put him out there? It's not as if, because again, like sometimes you want to put guys out there that you know you're going to sell, like Winks. When we knew we were going to try and move on Winks, we were playing Winks a lot to see if if he plays well, it could boost his value or make him more desirable for someone to come in for him. It's not like a team, even if Royale had seven goals that game, it's not as if a team's going to be like, wow, that guy tore apart a league one side. Let's buy him. So there was no real benefit to having Royale out there. And if you're a kid like Spence, Spence is coming from, he was just one of the top players of the season in championship. So it's not like, it's not as if he can't go handle the league one side at home. Like there was no reason in my head that, that he shouldn't have been starting. And if, if you're him, it's like, okay, I just came from being one of the best players in the championship. And now I can't get a look in at home against the League One side. Like, what well, what are you supposed to do? Well, and and when we've seen him lately, like, and he he came on in this one, like he doesn't look like he's playing his own game. And I'm sure a lot of that is uh, what's being coached into him. But, but a, um, a lot of that is him getting put in in the situation where it's 15 minutes left and we're up one nil. So we have a guy who's one of the best things he has is his pace and his ability to get the ball forward. But when you put him in with 15 minutes left in a game where the other team's just parking the bus and we're just trying to kill out the clock, 
he's not able to showcase what he's actually good at. He can't use his best assets. Yeah. So there's no point. It's like putting a striker in. It's like what we kind of used to do with uh, Vincent Janssen. Like Vincent Janssen was never able to grow as a Spurs striker because he was he would get put in in a game where it'd be like 2-1 with six minutes left and we'd put him in and we're just trying to kill out the clock or something. It's like, well, that's not what a striker's in there to do. Like he can't get used to the game. He can't do what he's best at, which is trying to poach balls and get the ball into the box. So that's what we kind of see with Spence right now is he's being thrown in these scenarios where he can't actually showcase what his best abilities and attributes are. And for him, that's got to be so frustrating when you've come from a league, you just you tore up the championship last year, and now we don't trust you to play at home against the league one side. Like that, well, That's got to be really frustrating for him. And it's frustrating for us as fans because we go out and we watch Royale do nothing for 90 minutes. Well, and some of that is I don't think he gets the automation that that Conte expects out of players. Um, and I think he, in this one in particular, yeah, he's killing out the clock. It's not the best situation for him. But it, rather than trying anything, he, he was just doing the back passes, like the, the, the sure thing that he knows Conte's not going to get mad at him for um, in this type of situation. But go, go ahead, Jeff. Well, I think that's the key word is trust, right? I mean, Conte will play you if he trusts you. Um, even if you're even if you're young, but he just spent all this time with Spence during the World Cup, um, and apparently he still doesn't see enough to trust him. Uh, I mean, I'm not there for practices, so I don't know what Spence looks like there. But he hasn't shown Conte enough to put him out there, um, even against Portsmouth, which is alarming. But yeah, I guess that's where we are. I know, but it's like how I mean. At some point, you've got to take a, some kind of leap of faith. You don't. I'm not saying you need to trust him babysitting your infant, but like you, you can trust him to go do a job when you can throw Royale out there. It's it's not as if Royale has just been killing it this year. He's been useless for mo- like for a majority of the games that he's been out there. I think maybe the thing is trust defensively because Royale yeah. is useless going forward, but he is someone that you can trust to not have catastrophic mistakes at the back end, like some of our other defenders we've seen this year. So maybe that's one of the things that it's a cost. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, we can all name names, but I think it's probably a, a little bit into it is that he doesn't tr- maybe Spence, but it's like, how are we going to know until we get him out there? And I'm not saying you start him against man city away, but I'm like starting him against Portsmouth. Cause again, then then my hope is that we put him on loan because this is exactly what we saw under Pochettino where God love Poch for a lot of positive things that he did for our club. But one of his biggest mistakes was we've lost. We had a Kyle lot of Walker readers like yeah. that, that. Ganga, like he's Poch stunted the growth of a lot of really talented players in our team because he just either wouldn't put them on loan or wouldn't give him reps. So you need to either get minutes regularly or get a loan spell. And I think that's what I would love to see from Spence right now is at least give him another loan spell if you're not going to play him because there's nothing. This is a guy that's used to playing every single week for a competitive side, and he helped take his team. He helped take his team up and get them promotion into the Premier League last year. So I think that for him, it's it's got to be frustrating as all hell to not get any minutes and be just stuck playing with the U21s. It's it's got to be. I just think we're going to need to actually put him either get him minutes or get him a loan spell because we're we're just not seeing 
how is he expected to grow when same thing with Sar? I mean, Sar was probably going to go on loan, but it was the Benton Kirk concussion and stuff that happened that kind of threw that into the mix. But yeah, I, I really hope we see we, we got to do something because there's such a player in there and it's just being wasted. Okay, well, let's go to MVP and let's start with Jeff. Uh, I'm going to go Harry Kane again because he was the most competent guy out there. Um, and at least he put the ball in the net. Yeah, they, like, he put the ball in the net and, uh, yeah, and he uh, t- tied a very important record with that goal, too, didn't he? And he, he scored, um, I saw afterwards, right? The, it was exactly the same time that Jimmy Greaves scored. It was the same uh, day. But like, yeah. Yeah, the same day in uh, like 1970 or something, Greaves scored his 265th. Yeah, yep. Uh, Lucas, what do you have for MVP? Um, I have Kane as well. Um, again, just one bit of quality is all we needed. It wasn't like Kane played great throughout the 90, but he was the only person that was able to show that superstar quality for one. He made that goal look effortless, and that was a hell of a finish. So a uh, really impressive goal. We needed it, and from that point, we were able to kind of just coast into the coast through the last 40 minutes. So, yeah, got to give it to him. Shout out to Sar, though. I thought he played very well. Well, I uh, stored uh, myself awake right around the time that goal happened, so I did get to to catch that um, catch that one. So I have to agree, Harry Kane uh, is my MVP as well. Uh, how about LVP on this one? We'll circle back to Jeff. Um, it, you know, it, like we said, it wasn't a great game and a lot of uh, you know not very energetic performances, but I have to give it to Royale, um, you know, just for the usual reasons. Um, just so frustrating when he's out there, you know, he is fine defensively. Um, but, oh, it's just such, it makes your eyes bleed to watch him. And that, that, uh, header he missed, um, was just like jaw dropping. So. Yeah. Uh, Lucas. Um, I'm kind of torn. I was going to say either skip or Tanganga. Um, Skip, I thought, gave the ball away a lot and missed a sitter. Um, Tanganga, I thought, made a couple of really dumb, useless, unneeded challenges that um, I just really expected that us that we'd see more out of him this far. But, yeah, take your pick. One of those two. Yeah, I, I did catch uh, those challenges, and I'm not sure the reason why Tanganga was, was doing that. I don't know if he's trying to show like a skill or something in a, a situation that doesn't need it. But, um, but yeah, um, I think probably Royale for me, uh, from what I had caught, like, uh, just missing, like, you just got to put one of them away. You don't need to sky everything that <laughs> every opportunity you get. It's just, it's getting painful. So yeah, he's my LVP. Um, so, uh, with the, um, advancing and the victory here, we did, uh, move on to the next round of the FA cup and, uh, uh, the draw did happen, um, yesterday, I believe. And, um, and we got, uh, Preston North end. So how do you guys feel about that draw going into the next round as compared to other draws that we could have gotten? Well, you get to play the kids again, right? So you'll probably see some variation on the same lineup. And hey, maybe Spence, if he's still here, maybe he will even get into that game. Uh, we, we we can hope. Um, 
I think they'll they might be a little bit more difficult than Portsmouth were for sure. Um, and uh, as you advance, like these teams are, like for them to go on to the, that next round of the FA Cup would be huge. Where for us, we're like, okay, we're just trying to get past uh, uh, this. Uh, um, we got a nice draw. Let's just try and get past them so we can get into the later rounds and uh, maybe have a chance at a trophy. But um, for for them, they're like even just advancing to the next round it would be a huge uh, gain for them. So I could see it being a little bit more difficult uh, than than we think. Uh, how do you feel about this uh, pick, Lucas? Well, I'm, I'm I was pumped, of course. Like whenever you. It's interesting with the FA Cup, the League Cup. Sometimes you just you can you want to get as far as you can without having to play some of the heavy hitters. You want to coast as far as you can without getting drawn against the Man Cities, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea. So for us to get our first two draws be Portsmouth and Preston, it's like that's a you got to think that that's just a big plus. Now obviously they're going to be at home, which is nice for them, and it's something that they're going to be up for. So we got to take it seriously. You can't just expect to walk through but it's interesting because the first game again Portsmouth we had is where we have Dane Scarlett out on loan so he couldn't play and now Preston is where Troy Parrott's out on loan so he won't be able to play um but yeah I'm, I'm very pleased with the draw and um I know it's I think Arsenal got City so like there's a couple of a couple of the big Premier League sides are going to be facing off and so we're, we'll see some more Premier League sides drop out so hopefully we can get the job done, and we should be able to. It'd be nice. To, we'll be able to rotate. It'd be nice if we could get guys like Spence some minutes. Um, but, yeah, I'd expect to see a lot of rotation, and I'd expect to see us get through to that final round of 16. And from there, now it's a hopefully, yeah, just keep getting good draws and keep grinding out results and see if we can get as far as we can. Uh, uh, Jeff, real fast, and we're going to have. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you guys, did – do you think it would be more to Spurs' advantage to crash out of the FA Cup and play fewer games, given all the injuries and thinness of the squad? Or is it worth going full throttle to try to win the Cup? I would say go full throttle in it, because I don't expect us to actually get through the round against AC Milan in the Champions League. Like I don't think we'll get past... We'll we'll be out of the Champions League sooner rather than later. It's not like we're gonna. I can't expect us to have a deep run in the Champions League the way we've been playing. I mean, if we're getting absolutely put to the sword at home by Villa, it's not as if I expect us to go to the San Siro and beat AC Milan. So, I think we'll see us bomb out of that pretty quick. So, in my opinion, yeah, I'd like to see us have a go at the FA Cup because it'd be nice to just see us get some silverware across the line. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you, Lucas. Uh, um... Yes, of course, want the, the money that advancing in the Champions League can bring, and and if we can get ourselves into form by then, I'd be thrilled to to really chase that competition deeper. But um, but I I don't think uh, with where we're at in the league, um, like our chances of getting to the to, to the top of the table and competing for first place are pretty slim. I I think being able to chase some some silverware here with maybe when we get to those teams that are um, are in, like ch- closer to chasing the, the league, um, maybe we'll have a bit easier of a time getting past them in the later rounds of this FA Cup uh, because yeah. they're going to be focused elsewhere. So 
Um, I, th- I think we have to chase this one. Yeah, I think for me, what would be the ideal finish is win the FA Cup and finish top four. I think those should be our priorities. Yeah, that would be huge for me. Um, well, um, this is, I think this is a good place to go to half. Uh, the second half, we will talk a little bit about transfer rumors, um, uh, maybe uh, uh, a little bit of some other rumors that came out there from the desert, we'll say. Um, uh, and then we ha- have to pre- preview the North London Derby. So uh, lots to talk about in the second half. But first, we are going to go to Luke's Locks. Luke's Locks. All right. Here we have Luke's Locks. Here are your four free picks of the week. First up, it's going to be Man City minus a half goal away to United in the Manchester Derby. Both teams have been hot as of late. United have won five straight in all competitions. But I think Man City is going to prove too strong for United. And I think City's superior depth and firepower off the bench will be the key. So take City minus a half goal in that one. Next up, it's going to be over two and a half goals in the Brighton game as they take on Liverpool at home. Brighton has scored 14 goals in their last four games and are always up for it at home. Liverpool obviously have a lot of fire, uh, attacking firepower as well. So they will be looking to get back into a top four place. I think we'll see several goals in this one, so take over two and a half in Brighton at home to Liverpool. Third on the docket is Newcastle, minus a half goal at home to Fulham. Newcastle is a very strong side at home and will be looking to stay up in that top four, or their top four position. Fulham won't be as rested because they play Chelsea on Thursday, which is a big derby for them. I think we'll see a sluggish Fulham side, and Newcastle will take advantage. So take Newcastle, minus the half goal in that one. Finally, we're going to take under two and a half in the North London derby as... Arsenal comes to play our beloved Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Unfortunately, I expect us to set up very defensively and keep a lot of guys behind the ball. So I don't think we'll have much possession, and I think a draw would be a good result for us in this one. I think we'll defend as best as possible, so I don't see a lot of goals in this one. Under two and a half is the play. There you have it. There's your four free picks of the week. Let's go get rich, kids. Well, thanks for that, Lucas. I'm going to... Start with the first half of our one listener question um, right here, and then we'll do the second half later. But um, the first half uh, comes from Shubes, um, and this one really is for you, Lucas. So um, Shubes asks us, uh, would Luke be more willing to take the over of Kane beating Mr. Greaves' record on Sunday? Should Kulu be fit to start? So I wouldn't say beat, but I could definitely see – I would take – my money would be on – if I had to play it, I would say he would equalize Greaves. He'll tie him. I think Kane will score. He is the all-time leading goal scorer in the North London Derby. So if you're going to put your money on somebody to score, it's going to be Kane. But I don't think he'll have a brace. Um, so, yeah, I would say he equalizes Greaves at 266. I would put a little bit of – throw a little coin on that spread. Yeah, I, that, that seems to make more sense to me, too, uh, where we're at. But, um, but yeah, the good. thanks for the question there, Shubes. Uh, let's – uh, before we go into the second half of Shub's question, I think we should have a little bit of a conversation about um, first this uh, Qatar rumor. So uh, this came out. Uh, there was rumors that um, uh, a, a Qatari sports uh, investment group uh, was looking to uh, invest in Tottenham. Um, 
amongst other clubs. Um, this rumor kind of took over and it was kind of a mixed bag with the fan base. Yeah, some people that would be happy, but they were looking, uh, hypothetically, we're looking for a minority uh, share stake in a club. Um, I just want to ask the question, how how would you guys feel if like we ended up with the Qatari? And it looks like this is not going to happen, so not something that we have to worry about, but let's just have a quick conversation about how you would feel if we had like a... a like a Qatari uh, investment group come in and, and buy a stake in the club. Uh, Lucas? Personally, I'd be thrilled. Um, I, to me, I'm like, I think it's past the point in football that I, I think it's naive to, look, this is the way football is now. If you want to be able to spend, if you want to win trophies and you want to, have success you need a lot of money and you need somebody to come in and make that happen look at city look at newcastle so like look at united united was shit for the first what several games of the season and then they spent an insane amount of money going out to get casemiro who was the one main key that they needed in their midfield we don't have that ability yet to go spend a hundred million dollars on someone and until we do we're not going to see the type of success that we dream for our club. So that's, that's just basically the, that's the way it is now is you're going to have to spend with the best and the big dogs. If you want to get that type of results in terms of trophies and success, that being said, it's naive to think that we're going to get hundreds of millions of dollars and we're going to get all this investment from the rainbows and sunshine corporation. Like it's going to be coming from everyone that we're going to, potential investors at this point you're gonna have yeah i mean qatar we've talked about it all the time with the world cup the type of shit with their their agendas against the like we saw with like anti-lgbt stuff like yes i got it but we're not gonna get these big money investments from anywhere that isn't some kind of greedy corporation or shady country. Like that's the way it is now. So personally, I'm like, I don't give a crap. Like we get big money investments from somebody works for me. Jeff, do you have any thoughts on this? Oh, you're on uh, on mute. Yeah. There you go. You're good. You're good now. Oh, you're still not making any sound. I'll jump right in. now. Wait. There you are. Um, I'll take the opposite view. Um, yeah, we just spent like a month and a half talking about what a sh- what a shame and an embarrassment that the World Cup was in Qatar. Um, so no, I don't want any Qatar money in the club. I know. It would be a minority investment. And yeah, Lucas is right. I mean, this is the way the sport's going. It's like, whose blood money are you going to take <laughs> at this point, yeah, right? Exactly. But even matter, so... matter of opinion, it, it's like, we're going to either take it from scumbag A or scumbag B. Right, and we're not really going to get a say anyway. But for the smallest say that I have, I'd rather it not be Qatar's. I mean, it's, you know, all the things we talked about, the LGBTQ... Um, you know, problems and slave labor and what have you there. Plus, they fund terrorism all over the world. It's, you know, it's not great. Um, I, w- I would just as soon 
you know, Spurs stay a fourth place team if that's the alternative. But again, and, and this is the thing, though, is we all had a problem. We all were very vocal against the World Cup being in Qatar. And yet every one of us watched it. Loads of people went to it. It's just it's something that we're like, oh, you know what? That's brutal. Like they shouldn't have the World Cup. They're wrong about all these views. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, we still ended up watching it. We still gave them our attention and our money and everything. It's like, it's just the way the game is now. So it's it's just a matter of, again, and, and you can nitpick every company. It, it, you can't be a company that, you can't be a company that has billions and billions of dollars without having like, done some pretty shady things to get that way it's you, you can't be super ethical and find yourself to be one of these big billion dollar corporations that can invest in football teams so it's like at this point when you're at the top of this when you're at the top of the premier league and the people that you're going to be seeking investment for aren't going to be like the salvation army is not going to be the one putting in a billion dollars for us it's going to be some shady country or some oil tycoon I- just to be clear, I wouldn't want the Salvation Army there either, right? Like, yeah. I, 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 there's some anti-gay stuff there as well. Yeah, but. 100%. <laughs> and, and, and all that matters is how we as supporters, we know how we feel. We know the, the great traditions and, like, the history of our supporters, and we know our ethics. But, I mean, if, if we want to – you got to pick. Like, either we're going to be the we, – we, you can't stick morality in the trophy cabinet. So you got to pick. It's like at some point you're going to have to take some blood money from someone and just do the best that you can as a supporter group saying, hey, our group of fans is going to rise above any type of hate or racism or anti-LGBTQ stuff. Like you got to just you got to trust that your fans are going to be the people you believe them to be and accept the fact that. Look, investment's going to have to be coming from some shady areas because that's the way football is now. I'm not yeah. saying it's right. I'm not saying I'm pumped about it, but yeah, if Qatar if Qatar wants to come in and say, "Hey, we'll buy you ten new top class or world class players," I'd be like, "Okay, <laughs> fine by me." I think like uh, you probably could uh, do better by like going with like a like an American sponsorship or like a like American business. <laughs> Or like a Japanese business or something like there, there's better options uh, for the blood money, I guess. Uh, go ahead. Right. I think the, the other problem is, you know, now we're in competition, right? Cause um, United's on the market, Liverpool's on the market. So, you know, what we're fighting um, against them with potential investors and stuff, you know, it's going to make it probably more likely that we're going to get, you know, blood money from a unsavory place um it's another thing where you know enoch probably thought Whoo, we got this big stadium we're in champions league yeah we're gonna be able to name our own price and then the saudis bought newcastle and now we're competing yeah then chelsea got bought by the dodgers um and now we're in competition with all these others um so yeah it's just gonna make it harder and harder to find you know especially an American owner since the American owners are selling now. So. And, and again, like if it's not us, it's going to be someone. So they're going to come in and they're going to pay for someone. So yes, we can say like, Oh, good for us. We didn't take that blood money. But when we're sitting there, like if they go buy, like they go buy Aston Villa or something, it's like, well, when we're sitting there getting waxed by 
Villa 5-0. And we, we're not going to be able to walk out of the stadium and be like, well, good for us. At least we took the high road. No, we're going to be fucking pissed. We're going to be like, fuck. Villa's got all these players now. Like, like Newcastle. Like, within for, – for the next – the amount of money that, like, Newcastle has with this, like, Saudi Arabia group, like, they make – they dwarf City in terms of, like – finances so it, it's not going to be long until newcastle's every year going to be a perennial top four team it just adds crazier harder objectives for us to try and overcome so i would rather it not go to some other team now now because like, it was always the big six now it's the big seven because of newcastle don't need it to become the big eight the big nine because villa or i keep using them as an example but or Everton gets backed by some. I don't need it to keep being, keep adding all of these like financial powerhouses into the mix. If it's not going to be us, it's going to be someone. So, I mean, might as well just come to terms with it. To take advantage of the fact that we have the stadium to draw in a big. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and they don't have to be the majority owner, but uh, they've got to be willing to pump the money in that uh, that the current ownership uh, isn't willing to. Um, and I keep I can't keep financially backing the store like the club via through the club shop. I'm like I've been doing that. I've been keeping us afloat, afloat <laughs> <laughs> via the club shop for 30 years. So I'm like at some point we're gonna have to get some other investors besides me. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other weird thing about the Qatari thing, right, is that it's the group that owns PSG, and they're they're trying to set up a rival organization like the city group does right for manchester city where they have the you know the new york team and other teams all over the place so i don't how does that benefit us being part of the same group as psg um it just seems kind of weird yeah i and it doesn't sound like levy's biting on this particular deal like i i I believe that he probably did meet with them but they came out and said that there was nothing to this story um but uh, I think it did does open up the door to this important conversation that we have to think about, and uh, like uh, getting outside investors is is kind of important to our growth as a club going forward. Um, but we still got a lot left to talk about, so let's move this conversation along. I want to talk just a little bit about transfer rumors. Um, how are you guys feeling about like some of these uh, rumored players? I mean, I see, I've seen like the. Marcus Edwards, uh, th- that was heating up, and then it kind of quieted down. Uh, we saw um, we've been back and forth with uh, P- Pedro Porro, but he's uh, it sounds like uh, the, they're asking for the full um, uh, release clause of uh, I think forty five million. I, I believe that's the year uh, euro amount. Um, uh, and any other rumors or uh, ones that you guys been hearing about, Jeff? I don't know. Poro's the one that won't go away, right? Both Fabrizio Romano and then Dan Kilpatrick in the uh, Evening Standard today even said that's the top target, even though Spurs seem to be denying it. But I don't know, $43 million, that's a lot of money to spend on a, on a right wing. If we're going to do that, I'd rather we just shoot the works and try to just get uh, Guardiola to solve our defense once and for all. I mean, um, I mean, do you guys think that Poro is really the be all and end all who will solve right wing back for the next 10 years? I don't know. He's another five, eight guy. Um, 
and you know those some of those guys work and some of them don't you don't know how he is defensively he seems to have like a 69 percent passing um percentage i don't know is he it is he or is you know is spence gonna wind up better than him in the long run anyway uh, I I kind of have this feeling, and I don't know who it's going to be, but I, I imagine it's somebody that plays in Italy is what we're re- really going to get. Like, I think uh, given, like, Conte's recent time there, um, um, Ra- uh, Radici, yeah, um, given his, like, uh, clear favoritism towards that league, I, I just I think it's gonna be somebody that we don't expect, but I think we are gonna get a right wing back this uh this window. Um but I, I I don't know if it will be for that much money and it it might not be somebody that we're even eyeing that much right now. Uh what do what do you think, Lucas? Well, I mean for me it's I, I think that we just have our our I just I don't think right wing back is our biggest concern right now. I think mean, I think we, for me, the entire transfer window thus far has been kind of disappointing because I, I had hoped that we would have some kind of aggressive game plan in place. Um, especially with that World Cup break, I thought that we would have. Because what was it like? Liverpool had somebody that they had basically agreed to sign like so the second the window opened like that got sealed Chelsea brought in a 40 million dollar center back it 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 seems like all of the teams that are willing to spend big money have been aggressive with their their approaches thus far and here we again sit where and I get January is never going to be the window that if you're the buyer it's always going to be you're going to tend to overpay in January and if you're the seller you're going to end up being a lot better off in January but um, I, I was just hoping that we'd be a little bit more aggressive at this point, but like I said, I, I think that right wing back probably isn't the biggest concern. I, and, and in terms of who it's going to be, I would hope that we would give it to Spence because another thing you have to think about is the English quota. So Spence being English is like, that's really helpful. And so I think that it'd probably be smarter to actually try and give him a run out and see if he can become he's faster than Kyle Walker they say he's big he's strong he's willing to run at the box so to me I'm like I would love to see us just give him a chance before we buy a new right wing back but I mean we'll see I I think that we we, what we really need is a new center back Um, I think we need another center back and we need I mean unfortunately I do think we need somebody we need some kind of creative midfielder, and I know those don't grow on trees, so you're probably going to have to overpay for those regardless. But, yeah, that's to, to me, those are the two big needs, um, not as much the right wing back. Uh, we seem to be, like, getting connected to, like, a lot of guys that can play multiple positions, so, like, almost like we're looking for utility, more utility men, too. Um, uh, but go ahead, Jeff. No, I was going to say, too, I mean... So- I've heard conflicting things, whether we're going for Hugo's replacement now, um, you know, to understudy for him or if we're going for him in the summer. But either way, that's going to cost us a bunch of money to get somebody good. Um, Yeah, there's been rumors about um, bringing in uh, Martinez since he just won the 
World Cup with Argentina. Yeah, it might be him. I haven't heard a lot of other ones, but apparently that's a high priority too. Um, and Hugo, um, retiring from international duty today too. So um, congratulations to him on his international career. But I think we've seen enough scary stuff from him over the year that, uh, yeah, yeah, it's probably time to look for his replacement. I don't know that it's super important in January unless there's somebody out there we don't know about who we can get for a song that we think is going to give us, another, you know, five to ten years. Yeah, well, in like the I I think the Marcus Edwards rumors really has more to do with the fact that like we we have rights to him still, um, so like a player that they're trying to sell for sixty million, um, we we would get half of that, so we could we could try and buy him for thirty million and have a, um, a theoretical sixty million player. Though I don't know if he would be that back in the Premier League. Um, but at this point, you know, we 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 kind of have uh, uh, Brian Hill stepping up. Like, um, yeah, I I think Edwards is certainly a better player. But like, are we just going to stunt stunt Brian Hill's growth at this point by bringing in a player like him? So I don't really know why that's where we're focusing our attention in this uh, this window. But but who knows if we really are focusing as much as the media likes to make us think we are. Uh, go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, last thing I'll say is, uh, to me, uh, the biggest thing with the transfer window here is we you never know what you're going to bring in in January. I mean, we got two Juventus rejects last year that we weren't – I mean, bar Tommy. Tommy will tell you that he – he Tommy is probably the only one of all of us here on the podcast. Tommy is probably the only one that knew that Kulachevsky was a beast. <laughs> uh, actually, Joe, Joe picked him too. Like, uh, Joe the, picked him at the beginning of the season as uh, – um, actually, I think in the Euro Cup, he picked him as his uh, player to, to house that competition. So Yeah, so I mean, I didn't think that uh, – I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know anything about Bensoncourt. So we got a couple of January – and we got a couple of Juve rejects, as they said. So Juventus fans were more than happy to see the back of those two. And then they turned out to be exactly what we need to carry us forth, drive us forward into the top four, and have become instrumental players on our side. So – you never know. Um, for me, the big thing is just kind of if we can get some of these young kids out on loan, that would be big. So if we can get if we're not going to be bringing in a lot of players right now, at least make sure that we get that we're not stunting the growth of some of these young players. I would love to see if we're not going to be planning on using Sar, using Hill, using Spence. Let's get them out on loans and not not loans back to some lower league Spain side. But get like get Hill alone out to somebody at the bottom of the table, or get him alone out to somebody that's competing to try and make that top six area for the championship. Like, like we saw with Skip. Skip became um he became the player that we hoped he would be by getting that loan out to Norwich for the season. So I, I would love to see us at least be aggressive trying to get some of these guys good productive loans, so that worst case, if we're not going to be bringing in a lot right now, then let's make sure we're at least doing something productive with some of the young players that we have. Yeah. Any other final thoughts? Um, I'm hoping that maybe in a, a week or two, we'll have like a, a transfer to actually be excited about and talk about a new player coming in maybe. But, uh, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, it was pretty much the end of January last year where all of a sudden everything happened, right? We were in on, um, 
what's his name, Diaz, before he went to Liverpool. And then that fell through. And then the Traore thing fell through. And we were all like, you know, oh, my, the sky is falling. This is, and then, yeah, then we got the two Juventus guys, um, which saved the season. So I suspect it'll be kind of like that. Another thing that pops up out of nowhere towards the end. There were all the rumors earlier that, you know, Malinowski was somebody we were looking at, but he got sold to Marseille today. So it's not, he won't be our creative midfielder. So we'll have to see who, who does pop up. Which is a shame because he seemed like he really wanted to come play for us too. Um, so it, it, when the players are that excited to to be with Spurs, you kind of want to uh, make the purchase. Just uh, I, I'd rather have guys that really want to be here than um, than, than just like uh, you, know, you know people go you know go, going looking for the pot of gold or whatever. But um, but yeah, we'll we'll have more to talk about in coming weeks. Uh, it, see if we make any transfers or if we don't, I'm sure we'll have a lot of. Uh, uh, negative stuff to say about that if that happens, but but we have to move this conversation along uh, because we have a very important match to play uh, this weekend. So um, this uh, Sunday, January fifteenth, and um, just to answer the second half of Shub's question without reading it out, um, um, if you if you're in Chicago, definitely definitely come out to the pub early. Uh, the Atlantic is the only place that we will be watching. So if the, if it fills up, uh, um, uh, you you want to get in early, especially if you want to see is what I'm saying. Essentially, um, uh, there's no other pub that will be opening up with the, for official watch parties with the uh, Chicago Spurs. Um, but currently. The scum sit in first place in the league, which I think is what makes this season so painful for us. Um, and, you know, they're just unfortunately playing really good football. So they got 44 points, 14 wins, two draws, only one loss this season. Uh, we kept thinking that uh, as they started playing better teams, they were going to start dropping points more often. And it just really hasn't happened. Um they uh, they did play Oxford away today in the FA Cup. I I didn't even catch the result, but I assume they won that. Um, they drew Newcastle the week before that, which allowed uh, us to, to collect a couple points on them, but we're still so far behind. Um, they beat Brighton, West Ham, and lost to Juventus going backwards. Um, their top goal scorer right now is Odesgaard and Martinelli with seven. Saka's right behind them with six. Um, Saka has the most assists with six. Odisgard has five, so like lots of guys that can contribute in multiple ways. Odisgard is their top-rated player. Uh, we do know that uh, Jesus is uh, still hurt and going to be out for a while, so he won't be a threat. But they do have plenty of ways to hurt us otherwise. Um, and pretty much going backwards, the last five times that we faced them, uh, we, we, we lose at their house. We beat them at our house is kind of what's been happening. Um, how are you guys feeling on this North London derby? Uh, Lucas? Well, hopefully, at least from our end, we'll see the last two times we've played them. It's been lopsided either way, but both of those have been because there was a red card. So we had they had a red card at our place last May, and then... We had Royale with the silly straight red at their place in the fall. So 
it'll be interesting to see if we can both keep 11 players on the pitch this time. But uh, yeah, it's it's it doesn't bode well for us. The fact that I think the biggest thing is I've watched them play a couple times this year, and I watched them play Newcastle last week, and they just they have a very clear identity as to who they are, and that's something that I'm a bit jealous of is the fact that we don't, and it seems that we struggle a lot. Again, we don't have an identity as to who we are, and they seem to have a very strong identity as an attacking side that is very fluent going forward. And you see their guys in the midfield, they get the ball, they immediately know what to do with it, as opposed to us, who we've seen, especially since the return of the world or since after the World Cup break. I mean, we look lost for the majority of the game, and that doesn't bode well against the team that's sitting in the top spot in England. So this is the best team in the country that's coming in. And I think our biggest, our biggest asset is probably going to be the 62,000 of us that are sitting there in the stadium. I think if we can get a rowdy environment going, maybe that could help us as a team going forward. But yeah, I, I really hope, I mean, I don't see a way we don't know what the injury report is officially, but if we don't have Bensonkor and if we don't have Kulachevsky, I think this is going to be our best hope is to try and sit there and get a point because I, I don't see us being able to get enough going forward where we can actually take control of the game. I think that, and that's exactly what they love to do. So, um, yeah, without those two, I think it's going to be pretty bleak. So I really hope that at least one of those guys is healthy. Because we, we, we have had nothing going forward until we got that first goal against Palace. Other than that, I mean, this could be a pretty, this could be a pretty long afternoon for us. But I think maybe our best asset is the rivalry, too. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, 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 fan, the, fan, the fans, fans as well as the players. The, like, um, I, I think we have to play above our level to... Uh, to to win, to have a chance yeah, at winning. You're 100% right, and that's the that's the only reason I'm sounding very pessimistic is we're going to have to step up and we're going to have to play above our current level, and I've just, there's been nothing as of the last several games that's led me to believe that we're capable of that right now. Jeff? Um, I totally agree with Lucas that, you know, the, the whole key to the game is that Benton Kerr and Decky are back. Um, if they are, I think we have a good chance of winning. And if they aren't, yeah, draw is probably the best possibility. I mean, Benton Coeur, if anybody wasn't sure before, um, I mean, he's the engine who makes us run. And his absence has proven that. Um, you know, without him, we just are not the same team at all. Yeah, I, I, like I, I certainly hope. I'm glad that the prognosis is that they're they're closer to being back, but I I also have the fear that some of that is just deking out Arsenal that they might be facing some of these uh, important players. Um, yeah, us to worry about for the week in training. Yeah. Um, but I certainly hope that they're back because we we definitely need them. Um, and as much as I uh, like uh, how Brian Hill's been performing, I, I don't think that this is the right match for him. Um I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him come in late, but this is a team that can run. They're fast. As Lucas says, they have an identity. Um, they, um, 
they know what their style of play is and it's uh it's aggressive and you know and they're just good at scoring goals in multiple ways um you know it's not built off of finesse or anything like that uh, but a, a lot of speed and you know quick turnaround of the ball and 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 just dominating teams which is uh i really did not expect coming into the season from from this team the, the team that that choked and uh, uh, uh lost uh lost their chance at the champions league the, the last year I, I i really didn't expect this uh this much from them especially after jesus was hurt uh jeff well, that's what we really have to hope for, right, is that that immaturity that Arsenal ha- had the last couple of years is still there somewhere <laughs> bubbling below the surface. And in a big high pressure situation like this with a hostile crowd that it'll pop back out again. Yeah, I think that's our our best bet. Yeah, uh, I think the other thing, too, is that. With them, the thing that's kind of scary is. We've seen a lot in the fact that we've conceded first in a lot of like what until palace we'd conceded first in like 11 or something games usually those those goals that we conceded to go down one nil were not as if the other team was they were our mistakes so we are very 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 capable of doing something stupid and handing somebody three goals and arsenal probably will have the majority of the possession and we're spending that they'll be spending their time with the ball around and in our box so that's the thing that kind of makes me nervous is we need to have a pretty much flawless game at the back with our center back like so no dumb mistake from Romero no dumb mistake from Dyer no dumb mistake from Langlet like it's just going to be a it's going to be a tall order for us to have to be we're going to have to be perfect at the back and hope that we can get a couple moments of brilliance from Son or Kane because that's that's kind of going to be it we don't have I mean, if we're getting one shot on target at home against the League One side, I don't, I don't really imagine us blowing the doors off the top team in England. Yeah, I mean, do you any surprises to Conte's lineup that are you guys expecting, or uh, like the the who's healthy? Exactly who you'd expect? We're so banged up that there's really no options. The only surprise would be if Bentoncourt and Kulachevsky are healthy. Other than that, because right. I think uh, Basuma just picked up another knock in warm-ups. He was, like, warming up for the game and got injured the other day. So I think we won't see him. It'll be between Skip, Sar, and assuming if there's no Benson court, it'll be between Skip, Sar, and uh, Boyer. Boyer. So it, it's, it's really not – there's really not too many surprises that we could see. It's pretty much the team's going to pick itself. If they're healthy, they'll be out there. If not – Again, it could be pretty bleak. Yeah, well, you were talking about the guys with mistakes in him, and that's been Basuma this year, too. I mean, yeah, he's always got a yellow in him, and he's always got a stupid giveaway or two. Um, he got a yellow I, card suspension after starting. He got more yellow cards than he did Premier League starts. Yeah. Again, just an astounding stat. But Yeah, yeah I don't know if we're better off with Sar uh, against Arsenal or Basuma. I mean, hopefully it's Bentoncourt, but... If it's not, you know, I don't know. Basuma hasn't instilled a lot of confidence. And, and hopefully maybe if it if it needs to be Skip, uh, maybe Skip is the right guy for it because Skip knows what this game means. You know, he's part of our youth system. He knows what this derby means. 
So I, I, I think if we do see Skip play, I would hope that we would see him take his game to another level because he knows what this game is. And that's, that could be an advantage in our end is that guys he can that, defensively sound too. I mean, he, he, he came up through our system and knows what the North London Derby is like that could be a very big asset. So let's yeah. hope fingers crossed that if we do see skip out there, that he rises his game to the level that we would expect the Tottenham player to do at home, defending our, defending our turf against our biggest rivals. Well, I could see like if it does end up being like a SAR out there. I mean, he he's pretty good at like cutting free some attacks. Like, I mean, like he's he's got those through balls that um, that we haven't seen from probably anybody besides Benjamin Core. Like, I mean, he's uh, or Kane. I'm like that. <laughs> yeah, or Kane. Yeah, percent um, of our good play from the midfield comes from Harry Kane, ironically. So it's like yeah. Well, that's the thing. Nice, but a big problem. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you know, that was a funny thing in the um, going back to the Crystal Palace game is, you know, when they pulled Sar in and and, uh, some of the other young guys, um, um, you know, Harvey White and stuff immediately. All they were doing was passing the ball to Kane, you know, which is exactly what our regular midfielders should be doing, (laughs) you know, and they don't. It's like, good God, Hoiver, you know, Basuma. Um, you know, you know, what you know, the kids know to do it when they come in. Why can't you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I think there's some vision, some pretty good vision there from some of the kids, but yeah, it, uh, this is a big moment and it's tough to pick those guys. Um, unless there's no choice. Um, I think this is probably a good place to go to, uh, predictions. Um, so we'll start again with Jeff for predictions. Oof. Well, I'm going to, predict that Decky and Bentoncourt do play and that we pull off a 3-1 win. I think we'll get ahead 2-1 and then late um, when Arsenal's pressing for a tie, they'll make a terrible mistake and we put it away. Ooh, that and good. so I gotta say players, I say Kane with a brace and um, I'm gonna say Bentoncourt with the other goal. Okay, I, I, I'm thinking, Lucas, that you're going to have uh, a little bit more depressing of a prediction here. Well, I, this will be as, as optimistic as I can be, but I'm going to say 1-1, one, one, Kane gets a penalty. But okay. we, hold, we hold and we get a point, which at the end of the day, I know it's, it's, it's unfortunate because it's them, and that's why it's so depressing. Um, is the fact that they're the top of the table. But anytime you have the Premier League leaders come into your house, if you can get a point out of it, that's it's a good result. So if we can get a point, that's my prediction. We'll go 1-1. Me being very optimistic, but 1-1, Kane gets a penalty. Okay, well, this is... Like, this one's tough for me, and I, I don't even know what I'm going to predict until I finish my thoughts here live on screen. But... But with the Crystal Palace game, I I think I uh, said that my head was saying that I don't see us winning until we show that we can win again. Um, So I predicted a draw for that game. Um, And my head is telling me again that I don't see any way that we win this at all, that we're probably going to lose this game. But I think I'm going to go with my heart this time and say that, no, this 
the North London Derby at home. We step up to the plate. Um, we'll be in their heads a little bit more. Um, we might have some players back that can be key to us. Um, they are uh, out Jesus, though I don't think he's been as key of a player to them as uh, um, as they thought he was going to be. But I'm just going to go out and say that we win 2-0. Like, uh, they don't even score. We keep them off the board. Um, we fluster them. They're probably pissed off at the ref the whole game. But uh, somehow we grind out a 2-0 victory because uh, th- they're pushing and they miss their opportunities. Maybe they even have a goal disallowed for offside or something like that. Um, but well, I, hope, I hope it's something cheeky. I hope it's like a, like a weird high elbow or something that like keeps what would have been a clear goal or something. I hope they get something that gives their fans something to bitch about if we do get that result you're talking about. Yeah. I just I hope that they get denied a couple obvious penalties because then they'll lose their minds. I mean, you know oh, yeah. our don't get tossed. So Yeah. Um I'm going to give uh, it's got to be with the North London Derby at home. Harry Kane scores one for sure. Um and I am going to say you know what? This is the one where Sun steps up again. Um, I was going to say Kulishevsky was my other prediction, but no, I'm going to go with Sun with this one. Um, Sun's been there for a, a while. Like I think he could turn it on at any point, uh, as bad as he be- he's been this year. Sun's my second goal scorer. Uh, any final thoughts uh, on this week that was? Lucas? Nope. Like I said last week, I said football can be fickle, so... Last time we were on this podcast, I was like, we were in a pretty bad place. And I said, this is how it works. By this time next week, we might be sitting on the back of two wins and things might be a little bit more optimistic. So that is how quick this can go. I predicted it. Here we are one week later and we're through to the next round of the FA Cup and we beat the hell out of Palace. So who knows? By this time next week, we might have just smashed Arsenal and we could be thinking that like winning the league's back on. So. Let's see. Let's hope that we got a good week of training in us and get some health back into us and give it a proper go and defend our house. Yeah, I I, I think that is a good place to, to, to wrap it up. I, I, I think that we are um, we are coming on the backs of uh, two, two straight wins and, and that can bring a little bit of optimism back to us that we can find a way out to like Conti has always been a grind out coach and uh, we had a really good performance against Crystal Palace and uh, uh, we ground out the win against a a Portsmouth that we should have been able to uh, devastate but um, now this is a North London derby that we're going into we have longer rest than they do because they play today Um, not by much but uh, but it's significant Um, Maybe we get lucky here and uh, um, and really step up to the moment and uh, and and show that we can be class once again. Um, but that about wraps it up. Uh, so thank you so much to uh, Tommy for editing tonight, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimby for the logo, Lucas for Luke's locks. Uh, find us on our many platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more, and hit the subscribe button on those where, where you're allowed to, and write us a review. Um, 
Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.